Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on with NFTs today, but what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, but also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things that we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on today with NFTs, but also what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts in the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features guest Joel Kamm co-host of The Nifty Show and, of course, The Bad Crypto Podcast. Joel is a futurist, speaker, author, influencer, podcaster, and a whole lot more. He has advised countless cutting-edge impactful projects within tech and crypto. Some of his current killer projects include Blockchain Heroes, Bitcoin Collection, The Nifty Box, and Upland Collectibles Blockchain Heroes Edition. Joel, it's really great to have you. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I especially like the much more part of my bio. It just leaves it open, right? It can be anything. And it makes you go, but wait, he did all the other stuff. So where's the, where does he find the time for the more? <laughs> yeah, it, it actually makes it sound like I'm super busy, but I don't feel, I mean, some days I feel super busy, but most of the time I love what I do so much. My career has just probably been mostly play, you know, just doing what I want to do. So it doesn't feel like work. You know, every, like I'm looking at my email right now before we started today. I'm like, oh crap, I got to go through and get back to inbox zero or five or something. So that feels like, you know, the stuff I got to do, but for the most part, I'm just having fun. So tell the listener where you're at right now. You, you told us before we, we launched, but I'm we're, in bed. We're chilling. Literally, in bed. Literally in bed. <laughs> in bed. Yeah. In, 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 in what, what, what part of the world? Geolo- geographic coordinates. Yeah. Well, I, can't, I don't have the exact latitude and longitude, but I am in Puerto <laughs> Rico, uh, my new home. Crypto so, Rico. Um, yeah, Crypto Rico. See. So we got to ask, Monfungo, do you like it or is it not your thing? Oh, it's great, man. Look at, uh, the ocean's right outside my door. Are you kidding me? Bought a, got a condo I'm closing on in uh, 11 days from today. If you want to timestamp it, it's... Uh, May the 13th, 2021. And uh, it's got a terrace with ocean views. And I'm just like, I can't wait to get in there and, and settle in. But I've been been here now and, uh, you know, in an Airbnb living out of boxes and suitcases. And every night, you know, it's late and we go out, uh, take the dog out to the beach. And it's so quiet, except for the waves. And you look up at the stars. I'm like, I want to do this every night. I just want to come down to the beach, feel the cool sand on my toes and, and, watch the waves and look at the stars and just be grateful. It's just, it's gorgeous. Right on. I feel you. I'm in Sarasota, Florida and uh, having that beach access, man, can't beat it. You know, I spent, uh, spent a month up there before here, spent a month in, uh, in Venice and loved it. Not too far from Sarasota. Oh, Oh, did you hang out with Charlie while you were over there? I did not hang out with Charlie. Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Is that who? Yeah, no, Shrem. Shrem. Charlie Sheen comes out here too uh, sometimes. We we tried to get together and it didn't happen. He's a busy guy too. Man, I want to, Joel, I got to ask you. I want to go way back, man. Talking about games and having fun. 
yeah. classicgames.com, you know, that then, you know, they're after Yahoo games, right? I mean, you're literally responsible for millions and millions of hours, I think, of people playing parts in solitaire or uh, mm-hmm. spades and all these fun games on, you know, on their computers from what, late 90s until now, I think probably still like. Uh, well, so we, we sold it. Uh, we made classic games. I didn't code. I can't code my way out of a paper bag. But my webmaster, actually, he knew I was into games and he discovered this beta site that this uh, UCSD grad student had created called Springer Span games. And he, he had like the rudimentary Java code for heart, spades, chess, checkers, bridge, backgammon. And he and a few of his friends were playing it. And he said, you should check this out. And I did. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is multiplayer gaming on the internet. So I wrote the dude and we went into business together, renamed to Classic Games. I did the marketing. He did the building the site. And we grew to thousands of registered users. And we're talking 1997 here. And uh, 1998, we were acquired by Yahoo. He became the chief game Yahoo, went out there. I was offered a job. I said, no, I did not want to work for anybody. And I did not want to move to California. And so I took the money. He, uh, He took the stock. He's a lot wealthier as a result. Uh, <laughs> but they shut it down. I want to say four or five years ago, Yahoo screws up everything, right? Yeah. They screw up everything Bummer. and they screw up. Bunch of Yahoos. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of people were really sad about that, but um, a lot of people who played it, they don't know that, you know, when you log in, you would pick the icon, a face of, uh, you know, a character, an avatar you would play with. And the first one that would come up is a guy with the glasses, goatee and a red cap. And that was me. Oh, get out of here. That's amazing. Yeah, that was me and my partner, Aaron, who coded it. He was the blonde hair blue cap character. It says NFTs written all over it, right? And, and then the on. devil. Well, that was just the devil. <laughs> the actual devil who's also a friend yeah. of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who you made a deal with at the crossroads so you could be yeah. a killer uh, guitar player. <laughs> Which didn't happen at all in any in any respect. Didn't make a deal and nor bottom fell out on that deal. <laughs> but I do enjoy listening to Eric Clapton. So there's that. Excellent. But man, what is it like seeing so so at the inception really of of gaming on the internet? I mean, we're there and part of it at that time. Like, what's it like seeing the transition everything's made? I mean, we're such like a, an inflection point where things are going crazy, exponential growth in all kinds of directions. What's it like seeing that now? Like, how do you feel about that? You know, what's really interesting is I uh, I was slow to blockchain, which is really weird for me because usually. I hear about the new tech and toys and I'm like, Ooh, bright, shiny object. What's that? I want to play with the new toys. And I think I was, I was just preoccupied with personal stuff in my life. And because I didn't understand Bitcoin, what is a Bitcoin mining? I mean, my thoughts at the time were not go learn about this. It was, I'm confused. Are there little people inside my you know computer going ding, 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 and a little bit. I just, I didn't get it. And I didn't care to, which was really unusual for me, but I guess everything's supposed to happen in its time. And when I finally understood Bitcoin in uh, early 2017, I went, holy crap, this reminds me of 1995 when I discovered the World Wide Web because I built my first site in 1995. I said, this is is that, this is deja vu all over again. And that's when I went down the the rabbit hole and, and I knew what we were getting into. And of course, Travis and I started Bad Crypto that year and we got in just before to the post having 
run up, which was crazy. And then we were there when the bottom fell out. We survived the great crypto winter. We knew it would come back because we saw that this is the future. Everything's moving to blockchain. More verticals are going to be disrupted by blockchain than anything we've seen in our lifetime. And I'm glad we stuck with it, you know, and then we discovered NFTs when CryptoKitties came out in December 2017. So we've been following those all along and we knew it was just a matter of time before those would blow up. And we're still, you know, I, I feel like January 1st, we turned the corner from pioneering NFTs to the early adopter, the beginning of that, that curve, you know, that place on the curve. And that takes a few years before you get through that cycle before you even tap into the beginning of mass adoption. And so we are in the beginning of the early adopter cycle, which uh, what I've noticed is there's a pattern at the beginning of the early adopter cycle is when the first media hype cycle takes place, right? And we've seen it. They talk about Beeple, and they talk about Grimes, they talk about these crazy sales, memes going for $400,000. Everybody wants to create NFTs, but there's gonna be a bust to some degree, um, especially I think in the the art world, that is where it's found the most hype. But NFTs are here to stay. They're not going away. And we're going to discover that as long as there are audiences for specific artists, athletes, brands, you know, musicians, other performers, there's going to be an audience to purchase these NFTs. So it's exciting to be here at the beginning. Right on. You know, William Quigley says... Everything that you cannot eat will be an NFT within five years. Do you see that happening? Five years? No. Well, I think he's he's speaking. Uh, there's hyperbole there, right? I mean, everything is not going to be an NFT. Chocolate chips will be NFTs, but Clorox yeah. bleach will will not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right? Because you can't eat it. Well, no, no, the other way around. Because <laughs> Tide Pods, it turns out you can't eat them, so they shouldn't be NFTs. I think in the future we will see anything that can be owned, right? There's going to be practical uses. You know, in the beginning, it's art, it's collectibles, uh, but it's going to be music. And then further out, large scale, it's going to be the deed to your automobile, you know, your home, your automobile, your insurance policy. I mean, what better way to show proof of ownership than to have this non-fungible token in your walls? This is my house. This is my car. This is my health insurance policy, right? They're all going to be NFTs. Um, so everything but, you know, what you can eat, I don't know that far. And I don't think five years. I think we're further out on it. I think that in five years will be towards the beginning of the mass adoption part of the technology curve. Right on. So what do you say to folks that complain about energy inefficiency in the NFT world and, you know, have the old adage, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Why is the current system not adequate? Why do we need all these NFTs? I mean, we have our thoughts there. I'm just curious how you respond to that type of feedback. So first of all, when we talk about energy, you're talking about Ethereum. You know, Ethereum is great for smart contracts, but as far as NFTs go, it's the McDonald's of NFTs. You know, it's there. People use it because it's there because there's a lot of money in it already and they know about it. But as far as NFTs go, I call it Inferium. It's a horrible platform for NFTs. There's really no reason to use it. We use Wax. We've been using Wax, you know, since we produced the first blockchain heroes and there's no gas fees. There's no environmental, you know, negative impact. 
And uh, Wax has built themselves as the king of NFTs for good reason. They do it better than anybody. And there's more brands apart from Ethereum that are launching on Wax without having any negative environmental impact, without skewering um, and robbing users with these outrageous gas fees. Who's benefiting? Only the miners. That's it. They're the only ones who are benefiting. Everybody else is getting hurt, right? You have to rate, if you're a seller using Ethereum, you have to raise your prices um, because people don't want to spend two bucks on an Ethereum NFT that they got to pay a hundred bucks in gas for. You get skewered if you're the customer because you're paying this tax basically and the environment gets clobbered. What's the point? Ethereum sucks, gang, for NFTs. Don't use it. Just to say no. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, but we just got a punch in the gut with a $300 gas fee, but it was related to an NFT we couldn't resist. We'll, uh, a little foreshadowing there. Yeah, I, I bought Gary V's thing. I paid the gas fee. I get it. I mean, look, sometimes <laughs> it's unavoidable. You know, you run out, of, you're driving your car down the road, you're out of gas, you got to go fill up with gas. So um, there's some things we do, but just overall, it's not the best platform. It's not the best solution. All right. Since you went there. Get a which, shortcut. <laughs> yeah, since you went, went there, there. we got to go there. Which one did you get, man? We'll tell you which one we got. Oh, I uh, the only one that you should get, as far as I'm concerned, the gift goat. Oh, shit. We got the same one. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's lots of, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, look, that seems like Gary's always going to give value, right? And he, I think he's going to work really hard to make sure people get the value out of that one. Yeah. We were picking up one for admission, and but I, I like the uh, old as fuck bat, which we love. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, but what's funny though, is on my, you know, MetaMask, sometimes the settings get wonky. And so my, my initial quote on gas was $17,000. Uh, so is that all? Yeah. Here's what's, what's really interesting. If, I bet if you go look at some of those early transactions, when it was still messed up, some people paid the outrage. I mean, truly outrageous, erroneous, uh, egregious gas fees that weren't even accurate, but they paid them anyway, because they wanted to hurry and get in. I waited Till the auction was over, I knew there's no way these are all going to sell out. And I wasn't sure which one I really wanted. You know, I'm not sure if I want to go to a conference or not. I just, that wasn't my thing. I've known Gary for ever, it seems like. I, first time I interviewed him was back in 2008. And so I don't want to, you know, paying for access wasn't my jam. But I want to see how he delivers on the gifts. Six, minimum six gifts a year for three years. And think about this. If Ethereum goes where we think Ethereum is going, which is to the moon, the value, the amount of ETH that he has, forget the profits he's already got, what he's going to be able to buy for people. You know, we interviewed him last week before his sale, and I'm convinced he's going to owe crazy over deliver, insane over deliver, that people are going to get stuff from him that they're like, what just happened? So I can't wait to see what he does. And it says a minimum of six gifts a year. So if I know him, he's going to do more than six a year. And it's, it's, like the, it's like the ultimate luxury subscription box. And here's the other thing. I think looking at CryptoPunks now, which is what, four years old? Yep. Little 16-bit, 6-bit, 8 to 8, 16, whatever, whatever bit they are a little voxel pixel art going for five to six figures. I feel like what Gary has created and the name he's created for himself is going to live on. And I think that the NFTs themselves 
are going to have, I think they're going to go up in value, my personal opinion, not financial advice. I think that the NFT I spent five ETH for will be worth more after all the gifting is done just for the NFT. Yeah. I mean, he, he said this is his life's work on one and, and, you know, I, Gary, he doesn't throw around those types of words lightly. I think Ethan's on the site right now trying to find his his V friend uh, having a little bit of FOMO here. I got to Yeah, I got to I got to figure out how, you know, but I wait two days and I got to get the timing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Travis was waiting. He was he wanted also the gift goat and he waited until he saw number 21 pop up. I think it was number 21 that he grabbed or was it 55? Yeah, whatever it was, it was a specific number that he had to have. And he was watching and waiting and then boom. And I'm like, five ETH, 20 grand. I think I made that on Sheeb because I bought, I, I threw one <laughs> ETH at Sheeb before it blew up. And I think I cashed in for 25 grand. So I'm like, all right, thanks Sheeb. You just bought my gift goat. Boom. Nice. Now that's a, it's a pretty cool project too. You know, we'll see where it goes. I mean, speaking of where things go, you mentioned Ethereum going crazy. I mean, do you see the flipping happening here in you know the near future? I do. I think Ethereum has a lot of room to grow. I think the smart contract aspect of it is just going to grow. It's not going away. I hope the NFT side of it diminishes significantly, but there's just so much more that can be done. You know, Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer payment system. That's what it's designed for. Ethereum is designed to do whatever you can imagine that you can code into it. And so um, it's not going away. And I think the market cap of Ethereum will pass Bitcoin, which doesn't diminish the value of Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer payment system at all. It just means that there's more demand for, I mean, how many projects are built on Ethereum? That's just going to expand. Now, I'm a big fan of the side chains as well. You know, I think that having these side chains that eliminate a lot of these gas fees. Who doesn't want bunnies, pancakes? You know, those are fun things. I think Binance Chain is doing a great job with all these different farming platforms that also have NFTs built in. And, sure, they, you know, once people can figure out how to get over there, I think that's the biggest leap, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not that hard, but, you know, look, we're, I remember having my, you know, early computer and PCs, you had DOS, right? And you had to kind of fiddle with stuff to get it to work. And and I remember, you know, getting into crypto in 2017 and having to figure out DEXs, you know, Ether Delta, you know, figure out wallets. Right now, it's so much more advanced than it was then. I mean, you got MetaMask, all right, how do I add BSC to it? I add a custom you know, server and boom, boom, type this in, type this in. Now I'm on Binance Smart Chain, the same wallet address. I feel like it's gotten so much easier. Yeah. The pucker factor of that first big move, you know, oh man, so high in 2017, right? Sphincter's like, (laughs) (laughs) but but I guess tell you when you, when you see your gas at one, one thousandth of a cent, it feels so good. Yep. True story. (laughs) <laughs> now you told us, Joel, you were, you know, we talked about Gary V. We've, we've kind of talked about some of the, the projects that people know about as someone who's sort of in the space and especially in NFTs, what are some things maybe people aren't paying attention to thing or, you know, people we should pay attention to projects we should pay attention to in NFTs, but that you see maybe are a little bit under the radar, anything? Well, I, I still think that wax is under the radar in general, right? The fact that it's only available on a couple exchanges to us citizens, it's just a matter of time. I mean, Wax is at like 20 cents today, maybe even 19. Compare that to engine that's at like what, 250. And what's on engine? 
there's hardly any notable projects that are on engine yet. It's a great fast side chain for Ethereum, works well. There's a couple games on there, but Wax has had Major League Baseball, Capcom Street Fighter, Dead Mouse, Atari, right? They've got uh, Robotech coming this week. They've had Weezer. And, the li- and then there's all the independent projects, Bitcoin Origins, Blockchain Heroes, Alien Worlds, which is, you know, hugely valued already. Our planet, the list goes on of all these projects. And most of the NFT world has no idea. They just heard about Wax in the periphery. The Wax, community, no the wax community, though, is like, we know where it's at. This is it. The, right here, y'all are going to be coming here. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Once you discover that you're paying all these ridiculous gas fees, I think Wax is the biggest undiscovered treasure in the NFT world. I'm glad we found it. They just don't get a lot of love in the media. I don't know. I mean, is there a deliberate uh, effort there to, to kind of stay low key and just be in build mode and not be as uh, forward in the public eye? I mean, it seems like William Quigley's just got his head down. He knows what he wants to do. And it's it's not necessarily hype related. You know, he's building these partnerships. I mean, at the moment, <laughs> so it's not like he's got to go out and, and promote or anything like that. And he has these long-term relationships. The brands that they're talking to that are calling Wax are mind-blowing. Okay, I'll say this. I'm on the, the Wax Advisory Council along with Travis. So we're privileged to, you know, have some more inside baseball so to speak but that's not a secret anymore but the brands that are coming are mind-blowing and wax is it's just a matter of time i don't know you know the deal with why we're not on binance yet or why we're not on coinbase yet but it's going to happen at some point and when it does boom what's the history with you and william did you meet him first did you encounter wax first how long ago was it and I encountered Wax years ago, you know, when it was OP Skins and heard of William. I don't remember the first time that we interviewed him. I'd have to go do my research on bad crypto to see when that was. But I liked where they were going with OP Skins. And so I think I bought some Wax a long time ago. And then, you know, we saw when Tops came out with the um, first series of Garbage Pail Kids, what was possible. And that's when I said to Travis, I'm like, dude, Look at this mechanism with the packs. This we can build on. Because well, here's what's really funny. I remember we were talking about before lockdowns, before COVID hit in February 2020, I had this idea of let's create blockchain buddies. Let's create these NFTs of that are based on real people in the blockchain space. So let's make them really cool looking and we'll sell them on OpenSea. And he was like, that's interesting. Well, COVID hit, lockdowns hit, travel stopped. We put on a one-week event called Virtual Blockchain Week that consumed all of our time. And then that died down. And and it was, I think, in May that we saw GPK. And I'm like, dude, remember that idea I had? Now we have a mechanism to do this. But we pivoted. I said, let's not do real people. Let's do superheroes. And we'll call them blockchain heroes. And they'll be inspired by real people. And he dug it. We went to Wax went to Wax Labs. I think we were the only content project that was funded before they decided they weren't going to fund content projects. And we marketed the crap out of it, took all of the, the know-how that I've learned from you know 25 years in marketing and branding and put it towards this project, had all kinds of partnerships and boom, thing just, it sold out so quickly. And the question is lost on me somewhere as I went down this rabbit trail. 
So what are your thoughts on William Quigley and how he views marketing for wax? Because it seems like he's not really focused on it. You don't hear about them in the media as much. So we did the, the launch and then we did the Nifty box, which was the, the world's first NFT subscription box. And then we did another blockchain heroes. And, and that's when Wax said, can you guys come on? William said, would you come to the advisory council and join Yatsu from Anamoka and the guy from Microsoft and Google? And we're like, let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that's, awesome. that's awesome, man. How is marketing in the crypto world different than traditional marketing in, in your experience there? Or, or is it more similar? It's all similar. Marketing is storytelling. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's storytelling and it's providing value to your customer. It's giving them a reason to want to engage with you, to engage with the community, to want what, what you're providing them. It's, it's really, it doesn't matter what you're marketing. It's all about storytelling. And that's why uh, the best marketers are master storytellers. Doesn't marketing move faster in crypto? Doesn't everything move faster where you can, you can catch lightning faster for something that, that that's happening. It feels like the audience in, in blockchain is hyper tuned into what they should be focused on. And that sort of creates this sort of hyperloop option if you give them what they want. Yeah, I think everything is moving faster, though. I think that's just by virtue of technology and how easy it is for us to use that technology to put something out there. You know, it used to be if you wanted to send somebody mail, you'd have to write them a letter and stick it in the envelope, put a stamp on it, the postman pick it up, go to the post office, and you get that done. Eventually, it would get there. Now, we send an email and you have it in a second. So, everything moves faster. The whole world is connected and at our fingertips right now. So, it just so happens that NFTs are part of that everything moves faster environment. You know, I think YouTube is a perfect example. TikTok is a perfect example. Instagram, Vine, when it was around that, you know, catching lightning in a, in a bottle um, is something that's been around for years because of the same technology. It's just that now we're doing it with NFTs. But, you know, we've seen those overnight sensations you know, for more than two decades now. You know, this is going to be a little bit broader question, but you are engaged in all these different things, author, speaker, couple of podcasts, brands, you know, projects like you just mentioned. So just curious about like focus, you know, do you have a methodology for keeping focus? Do you not bother with focus? I know you've, you've kind of written the book on having fun with it. You know, how can you have fun with all these things swarming around and still focus and be productive? Any tips on this? Yeah, you know, we're all wired differently. And for whatever reason, for me, I'm able to just casually go into my day, look at my calendar, go, what do I got going on? Deal with those scheduled events. And in between all that, just get the other things done. It just seems like my brain somehow has its own little sticky note pad up there. And it's like, oh, I got to do that. I got to do that. I'm going to go do that. And I've done it for so many years that it's become a lifestyle. It really doesn't feel like work to me the vast majority of the time. And from my perspective, I don't feel like I work a lot. That's how you know you really love what you're doing. You know, minting NFTs, I'm delighting people, I'm creating. And it just, I mean, it's, it almost feels criminal that this is what I get paid to do. This is, uh, this is way too much fun. And so my process is my own process, which is why I wrote the fun formula. All of these books that give you this list of how you're supposed to approach business to succeed, they're all missing the, the key component, which is that we're all different. We're all wired different. And you have to find your own fun. So the irony of the fun formula is that it's not a mathematical formula. 
It's about tapping into your own creativity and curiosity, right? Following that passion and then taking risks. You have to try stuff. If you don't try, you're never going to succeed at it. And if you try, you're going to fail also, but you're also going to learn from those failures. And the third part of it is trusting the process. Serendipity is a very real thing. Stuff doesn't happen until it's time for it to happen. So once you can rest into that, and I learned this quite a, quite a while ago, which is why I think I've been able to be successful is, you know, being who you are means not letting other people should on you. You should be doing this. You should be posting here. You should be on clubhouse. You should stop shooting on me. I don't want to be on clubhouse. I don't care about being on clubhouse. I want to do what I want to do. Don't tell me where I should be doing my marketing. Let me do what I do naturally and authentically. And I think that's where people have the most success. And a lot of people are scared to take risks. Well, don't take a risk and you're not going to do anything. So what if you fail? It's just another way to, to not do it, to get you closer to the way to do it. And then being patient is one of the greatest skills, virtues, I don't know, uh, things in life that I've learned. It's like, just chill and wait. You know, when I watch crypto go up and crypto go down, it's like, all right, whatever. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. People freak out. Elon Musk puts out a tweet and the markets go crazy. I'm like, time to buy. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is this theme of fun in the space of crypto and NFTs. You know, that there's all, there's finance has not traditionally been something people think about as fun, you know, unless you're- Is like this a, finance? <laughs> I guess it is. I guess it is. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally people are getting excited about something that equivalently, like you said, could be the foundation of, you know, your car title or or your house title yeah. or something traditionally, which is just something that's kept in a record keeping office. And, you know, a few clerks have to kind of look through some books to find it, you know, and looking at how some of these different projects that are coming about that are sort of competing with, with each other, some of the, the, the features that they're competing on are how can we bring more fun to the people that are engaged with the project. And I think that's a very interesting thing in this space. And yeah, I mean, I guess the world needs maybe a little bit more fun, especially after this year of COVID. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> people need to have more fun. You know, we, we just be nice to each other you know, and less screeching, you know, and yelling at one another and pointing out how different we are because we're really, there's so much that more makes us alike than makes us different. And I just tend to focus on the good stuff. In fact, I've pretty much turned off social media and I'm happier as a result. I'm dark on Facebook. I set my profile to dark. I don't go to Facebook at all anymore. And it's just been so liberating. I only go to Twitter to post, you know, about our launches or partner stuff. And when I start seeing things that's trending and all the garbage they're pushing at us, I'm like, there they go again. I'm unhappy. I'm turning it off. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to engage with it. And guess what? The world goes on without me. The world goes on without all of us. And crazy people, power-hungry people, money-hungry people are going to keep doing what those types of people are going to do. And there's nothing I can do about it. So the less I engage with it, the happier I am. Tell you, after, after watching the, the social dilemma, yeah, I've definitely wound down my uh, activity as well. I had no idea. We have conversations internally about what platforms we want to get the word out about what we're doing. And I got a lot of insight from what you just shared in terms of the fact that we don't have to be on every platform. We can be on the ones that we enjoy being on and, and, and sort of really double down on, on what we love. And, and that's why we're doing the show in the first place. That's a great takeaway. Uh, you can't be everywhere. 
and you'd be you'd be spread so thin and it would feel like work and not only that then you have what you know the chilies effect um your menu or not not chilies um cheesecake factory their menu seeing their menu it's like a novel right they do so many different things that they don't do any of it excellent it's okay it's decent you know good family food and I suppose if you like cheesecake, the cheesecakes are really good is the cheesecake factory. But when you're trying to do too many things, you're going to be spread too thin and you're not going to excel at any of it. So screw it. I got tons of people following me on LinkedIn. I hardly ever go there. They tell me, Hey, for business, this is the place to be. Well, I have enough business. I'm good. And, and I'm fine. And if somebody wants to get a hold of me, they can figure out how to do it via my website or whatever. Right on. So speaking of fun, I think music is a key part of our lives and it sounds important to you too. We had Barnaby from Band Royalty on the show um, actually two episodes ago, I think. And it's another project that you advise. Just curious as one more question before we wrap up and go to our quick hitters. Is music and NFTs one of the best uses out there in your opinion? Why or why not? Yeah, I think so. I think that delivering basically NFTs are programmable media, right? So whether it's music or a music video or, you know, photos or document or collectibles or whatever, I think that all of these are great uses for it. You know, Blue has done some really amazing stuff with, with music and NFTs on wax, uh, super creative. And I think we're going to see a lot more artists releasing content for the first time via NFTs. Just a matter of time. In fact, I had a call today with um, a guy who's been speaking with the lawyer for one of the biggest names right now. And they're like, we want to do this. What are your guys' ideas? I mean, we're having these calls all the time with Hollywood people, with music industry people, with big brands. Um, if, I, if I name dropped, which I'm not going to, you'd be like, holy mother of NFTs. Uh, and I don't know what's gonna what we're gonna do, you know. But I'm totally good with it. Like if something comes through, man, that's gonna be super fun to work with that person or that brand. And if it doesn't, that's cool. We'll just keep building our own stuff. Something's gonna hit. I don't know which one it's gonna be. That's gonna be the first domino. But I'm excited to whatever it is. It's gonna be fun playing with it. But we'll yeah, keep an I eye on your that... Twitter, man. And we know we're not gonna have to filter through too many messages. So that's cool. right. Yeah, but for our audience, living in abundance, not scarcity in this sort of world of NFTs and blockchain is so important. There's so many opportunities for everyone. You don't have to grab them all. There's always going to be another meme coin tomorrow. Yeah, it's not a zero-sum game, you know, and there's no reason to, to be envious of what others have. Bring value in the, the way that you best know how. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't go, oh, you know, Gary Vee just created this. I'm going to create my own redeemable things for an event. And I'm going to take my doodles. And No, don't try to copy that. Like figure out what's you, what is most you that you can bring to people? Because that's going to feel authentic. Be original, be creative, do something that hasn't been done before. And that's what scares people, right? They look and they go, I got this idea for something, but I'm not seeing anybody do that. So maybe the market doesn't like that. Uh, it's exactly the opposite. Maybe it's exactly what the market needs is for your new approach that nobody's done before. Pioneer and blaze the trail. And what's the worst thing that happens? That doesn't work. But what exactly. if it does? What if it does? What if it does, man? 
Well, I think it uh, couldn't be a better moment to drop the mic and that... I don't, I don't have one on me. Yeah. <laughs> that really sums <laughs> it up, A bottle of water. I'm going to drop the water. Oh, there Do we it. go. Drop the water on your mic, on your headset. You guys want to <laughs> You want to jump into some edge quick hitters? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Let's so, get edgy. Joel, edge quick hitters, just a fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. We got 10 questions looking for short, you know, one word or multi-word answers. But, you know, if you feel the urge to expand get after it. I'm surprised you don't do that first, right? If you want to get to know somebody, why wouldn't you lead with those and get that person's vibe? Well, I think we, we like to get into the background of the projects and the things that we know uh-huh. that kind of the public expects of a person in the background there. But I think you'll see with these questions, we want to go a little bit deeper into, into some of your personal thoughts and perspectives and things that get you Ask going. me anything. You got it, man. All right. What is the first thing you ever purchased in your life? Oh gosh. As a kid? Whenever. Or at least you can can remember. remember. That you can remember, yeah. Or if you have something you can't remember, go ahead. (laughs) If I have something I can't remember, that's most what you've just said there is most of my life, including what I had for breakfast. You know, the older you get, the harder it is to remember everything. I don't remember the first thing I purchased. When we think about first things, the thing that I think about first things is the first record, the first album that was ever given to me. And that was, that was a Christmas and my mom and dad gave me a John Denver's greatest hits album. Uh, probably I want to say I was maybe 10 years old or so. I don't know, maybe eight, maybe, you know, I don't know, but I was young. I remember being young, getting my first LP. And because I was, I had just picked up guitar and I was, um, learning John Denver songs, like, you know, leaving on a jet plane or country roads or something. And they bought me, that was my first piece of vinyl was uh, John Denver LP. You still got that thing sitting around? You know, I think when I left Denver, no pun intended, I got rid of almost everything, including most of my old records. I- I'm living uh, freer of stuff than I have in decades. I got rid of all of my collectibles, including a massive vintage software collection that included copies of Windows, you know, 1.03 in it. I had hundreds of pieces that I auctioned it all off on eBay last summer during lockdown. I sold my entire comic book collection that was two four-drawer filing cabinets. I sold all my Star Wars cards, everything. I just, I decided I've had enough stuff. I asked my kids, I'm like, when, when dad goes, you're going to want this? And they're like, Nah, not really. I'm like, why am I keeping all this? Why am I, why am I encumbered by all these things that I move with me from place to place? And so I came to Puerto Rico with two large and one small suitcase and shipped four boxes of things from the U.S. here. That's it. That feel great. It feels incredible. And as I move into my new place, I told my partner, I don't want to, I have no interest in cluttering up and getting stuff again. I don't want stuff. I want things that I'm going to use, but that's it. Like we just bought an air fryer. Everything comes slower in Puerto Rico. You order from Amazon, no more overnight prime. Just doesn't happen. Took two weeks for the air fryer to get here. But I'm like, all right, this is cool. Now we can. Oh yeah. My, my friend, they were trying to get a trash bucket from Amazon for their new home in Puerto Rico. And one month later, a chainsaw arrived. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite brand of shirts is the life is good brand. 
I, my closet, you know, is full of closet. I have a drawer of a few t-shirts. Now you don't need much clothing to live in Puerto Rico. You need shorts, some boxers, some t-shirts and flip-flops. I mean, it's just amazing how little apparel I've needed here to go out and be anywhere. But I went to lifeisgood.com to order today. I went, oh, it's time for some new shirts. And Puerto Rico wasn't on the pull down. Like it said state and like, you in 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 it said countries U.S. and Canada. So I went to U.S. because Puerto Rico is U.S. I couldn't ship to Puerto Rico, so I've got a box in Florida, and everything goes there, and then they forward stuff to me. So you have to be again patience. It'll be weeks before I see those shirts, and and I'm okay with it. They get here when they get here. It, it, what's kind of fun about that is it's like it's Christmas when a package arrives because you don't remember what you ordered. It's like what is this? What did, what did I get? <laughs> You know, when you order for next day or two day, you know what's coming. You're expecting it. When it shows up, it shows up on time. I have no idea what I'm getting or when it's coming. Amazing. So look, this, this ties directly into the next question, man. What's the first thing you remember ever selling? I don't know. Gosh, first thing I ever remember selling. I, I, don't, even, I don't even remember. It was probably like a Cub Scouts candy bar or something. I would imagine, you know, raising money for... For the scouts, but I don't know. I did get my first job when I was 14. I wanted to work. I remember because I wanted to buy a computer in Radio Shack had the TRS-80 Model 1 computer. And I'm really dating myself. I worked, I got my first job in 1978. I was 14 years old. So there's all the dating you need. And minimum wage was two sixty-five an hour. And I uh, slung pizzas and subs at uh, Northbrook Court in Northbrook, Illinois. Right on. Nice. I'm over here and I'm in Elmhurst right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I grew up in North Court, man. So, you know, uh, if you're in Elmhurst, you know, John Hughes's films were all based on uh, the Chicago North Shore. So Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Breakfast Club, those were based on Glenbrook North High School, where, uh, where I went to school. So I would have been the Michael Anthony Hall character in the Breakfast Club. Nice. The nerd. The geek. <laughs> all right. So a little bit easier for you. What's the most recent thing you purchased? Uh, the Life is Good t-shirts. I just bought them right before we went on here. There was, I think I stocked up. I got six new shirts. Love it. They'll be here in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the most recent thing you've sold? Before I left Denver, I sold everything. I sold all my furniture. I sold my televisions. Sold, got rid of all my collection. I sold everything. So the most recent stuff I sold is everything. Amazing. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Artwork, desk chairs. is It's gone, man. It feels so good. There's like, you, you guys are listening. Don't see like the sparkle glow on Joel's face from selling all that stuff. Yeah, it's not even about the money at all. Not about the money at all. It's about uh, being unencumbered. I mean, I worked all summer to sell my comics and my software. And I, I did pretty good on it. I'd say all of it. I probably made like 25 grand selling all my collectibles, which is not small. But I put an Ethan to Sheba, you know, two weeks ago and I cashed out $25,000. I made the same amount of money <laughs> that I made with one investment that took me, you know, a few minutes to make as I made working all summer, but there was something so satisfying. There was so much closure in taking pictures of these items, putting them on eBay, giving them the love and attention they deserve to me emotionally. And in and, and, and seeing people, you know, pay for them and sending them off shipping. I mean, I was a shipping and fulfillment clerk all last summer, pretty much getting rid of the stuff, but it was much more rewarding 
than just dropping it off at a donation center or something and taking a tax write-off. It's a very Zen activity being that shipping, you know, clerk, like you said. It was. And it just, there was something about it. I really enjoyed it. And plus, you know, it was lockdowns. We were, nobody was going anywhere. There was no conferences. So I was doing that. We, Travis and I were doing virtual blockchain week for that week. And then we were, we were doing NFTs and we're recording the podcasts. And so, you know, it kept plenty busy, but it was very rewarding selling all that. The life-changing magic of tidying up and selling your shit, right? Yes. Thanks. Marie exactly. So, okay. Well, even though you've gotten rid of basically everything, we got to ask, what is your most prized possession? I don't know that I have a prized possession anymore. I don't, I guess I don't look, I have some things that I like, but there's nothing that I have that if you told me you can't have that anymore, that I would be sad for very long, that I can't have that thing anymore. Life is about people. Let's take his brain and run with it, guys. And experiences. <laughs> yeah, totally. Where are you going to go with it? I can, I can lease out certain parts of it. I guarantee you there's parts I'm not using. Yeah. Well, let's NFT just, some of it, actually. Uh, um, yeah, we're going to fractionalize it and, <laughs> and program it to come up with the next billion dollar idea. Oh, I got them already. I mean, the ideas are there. It's a, I, I, ideas are a dime a dozen. They really are. It's execution that's everything. I mean, I've seen some really wonderful ideas fall flat on their face because of horrible execution. And you don't have to look very far to see some bad ideas that have done really well, right? I mean, there's a reason people pay, every, you know, they buy by the millions crappy hamburgers, you know, from, from corner fast food joints. Why? Marketing. Storytelling, community, branding, right? Yep, all of that. So the ideas are there. This is why it's so funny because during my whole career, people come to me and are like, I got a great idea. And if you want to do this, I'll split it with you. And they don't understand. There's no shortage of ideas. I got, my brain goes deep into things that I could do. It's what do I want to do? And what do I want to do well? And I've learned through trial and error to not do the things that I really am not into just because they're lucrative. So yeah, in fact, like, you know, Ethan has another show called run with it where successful entrepreneurs give away their ideas to the world for anyone who's listening to implement because successful entrepreneurs understand ideas are a diamond dozen. It's about chopping wood and it's a fun show. Yeah. Here's, here's one for you just off the, the top of my head that I've thought about for years, bag ads. So you've got people in, more so before COVID, hopefully travel comes back again. But, you know, the, the most attentive audience you have at the airport is standing at that baggage carousel. So why not has, let people sell their, their travels and wrap ads around their luggage so people are watching ads go by and they get a piece of, you nice. know, the action. So uh, run with it. There you go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. Next question. Question six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service that's currently for sale, what would it be? I don't want anything. I'm good. Really? Like, so I just had my 57th birthday and my girlfriend said, I don't know what to get you. And I turned to her and meant it without any hesitation. I don't want anything. I thought there's, you were going to say gift just, goat, but okay. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, yeah, there's nothing that, that I want. Uh, if you want to be creative and do and make something like for uh, 
for Christmas every year, she makes me one of those uh, snapfish books, right? That's got photos from the year. Here's our adventures from the year. And I love that. That's great because that's personal and that's storytelling, our story. Um, but things, I don't need anything. It's really funny. I remember after um, I sold the site to Yahoo, I, find I had money. Like I paid off my house, I paid off my credit card debt. And from that day forward, I never kept credit more than a month. I would pay off always. And I never, even during the dot-com bust, I just, I never spent more than I earned. I've never been one of those that, hey, you just came to a bunch of money, go buy a huge house. Not to say I haven't had a big house before, but I didn't like feel the need to overly accumulate or to be showy. And now it's like, I don't really, I don't, I don't need to impress anybody. I don't, the more stuff you have, the more you have to take care of. Mo money, mo problems is actually legitimate for people who allow the money to control them because they feel the need to accumulate these things. Uh, get what you want to get, but you're never going to see me buying a Lambo. I don't care how, you know, if I can afford one or not, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Look at me and my fast car. I drove one once uh, when we shot a commercial in Vegas and it was fun to drive it for an hour, but I don't want to own one. You know, I got to Puerto Rico and I bought a, a, a Jeep Renegade, something that I can tool around the island in and it doesn't need to be anything fancy. So what was the question? If I could buy anything? Yeah, I don't need yes, anything. Sir. You got it. I don't need anything. I'm good. That's awesome. So let's go a little deeper. If you could pass on one personality trait of yours to the next generation, what would it be? Playfulness. Like you don't have to get old. I mean, I, I, like I told you, I just turned 57. I don't feel 57. Sometimes I creak a little bit like I feel 57. But if you look at my bio on the social sites, you know, it says all the typical things, you know, entrepreneur, author, speaker, an eternal 12 year old. That's the best part of my bio as far as I'm concerned, because I like to play. I like to explore. I play, I play computer games often, you know, been playing Hitman three lately, sniping people. You know, I've had a world of Warcraft subscription since vanilla. Wow. My girlfriend and I both have an Oculus quest and we've been playing beat saber like crazy. I'm playing on expert now. Never thought I would. I'm like, like a Jedi master. I have fun. And I, that playfulness um, that youthfulness. I look at some other people that um, I came up with at my school. I look at, you know, see pictures of them now. I'm like, damn, they look old. Like, I don't feel that old. Maybe that's why I don't, or maybe it's good genes. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm grateful regardless. So I would pass on that playfulness. Right on. Yeah. Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life, right? Correct. I wish I had said that. Who said that first? I don't know who said it first, but Jeff it said resonates. It. Just a <laughs> yeah. so, somebody, somebody researched that. I want to know who's, who's we should attribute that to. I'm with you. All right. So eight, the flip side, if you could eliminate one personality trait of yours from the next generation, what would it be? Hmm. So many things that I could eliminate from myself. So imperfect, you know, which is good because that's what, that's what makes us human. I think I'm like many others. I'm susceptible to, uh, to being weak in certain areas, you know? So for me, it's like uh, my sweet tooth. You know, I like to like to eat the things that aren't necessarily good for me. So I've got this extra, you know, roll around my side. It's not that I mind how I look. 
says, I want to feel healthy. I want to feel good. And this is not an invitation for everybody to write me and say, oh, you should do this. You should. I know I know how, I know what to do. But, you know, some, we all have these weaknesses. You know, it's a, a different thing for everybody. For some, it's too much TV. For some, it's uh, alcohol. For some, it's drugs. For me, it's food and not liking to work out. So I would wish on my progeny that they would not have that same struggle. Unfortunately, I feel like that's just a natural human thing. Right on. Yeah, no, I know. Sometimes it seems like the, you could take small steps to, to change it, but it's, gosh, they seem so hard, right? When you actually yeah. try. A little easier question. All right, number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I told you already. I bought well, Life is Good shirts. That's it. Going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Literally, yeah. that's, I just got done. I picked, I'm like, oh crap, I got an interview. And, and uh, uh, my girlfriend is in, on a call. And the, the, right now we're in this Airbnb. So we have this one living area. We've been sharing this space. So it's like, all right, who's got a more important call to do right now? And she was on a business call. So I'm like, all right, I'll come in the bedroom. So it doesn't look like it, but you all are in bed with me right now. Amazing. This did feel like a very Very romantic conversation. So it's a little weird, but let's just be clear being the elder here. I'm the big spoon. Okay. All right. Understood. You might have to fight Josh over that, but what's I, I, just, I, I just got some eucalyptus sheets. If, if we're going to do this, like, let's make sure we have some really good sheets. What's nice. a really, what's a really weird extension on that is that uh, Joel is in his bed, but Jeff and I are both in our closets. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what that says. Fact. <laughs> Joel, getting weirder you, by the moment. Getting weirder. Number 10, last one. Uh, what are you going to do next after the podcast? So what's really interesting about that is I don't know until I do it. So what'll happen uh, is I don't have any any other appointments. I've got, uh, we're doing a nifty show at five Eastern today because we do nifty show live on Thursday. So I know that's coming. I don't have anything else in my calendar, but I might go to the pool. I might go sit down and, and barrel through some of the email I've got here. I might look at the cryptos. I don't know. I never, I might go play an Oculus. I can actually hear her. She's off her call in the other room and I can hear her playing beat saber right now i can hear the music coming in so i might go challenge her to a game beat saber i think what's the take home to all that is the lifestyle that i've chosen to live what i just told you about what i'm going to do next is actually the lifestyle i've lived for the majority of my adult life it's like what are the options it's like i encounter this this uh um, this crossroad and go, oh, now it's this time. What are, what are things that I can do right now? What do I want to do? And then I just do that thing. And then I just do the next thing and the next thing. And somehow I manage to get through the day and things get done. In fact, I'm a big fan of working smart, not hard. Don't put me on hour-long meetings in conferences just to bat around stuff. I want purpose. I want intention. I want to get in, make the impact and get out. When people hire me as an advisor, I'm not interested in putting in hours. I'm interested in giving you what you need to move your business, your idea forward. Uh, And if it means I come in for five minutes and say, don't do that, do this. And you've just saved a ton of money, time and effort. So you know what to do. My job is done. And so whatever the next thing is that comes up, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I think going to the pool, though, sounds, I mean, I, we wake up every morning, I look outside and, and I open the curtains. I go, it's Puerto Rico outside today. I don't know, Joel. I know that I've seen that competitor come out in you in a few of your comments here throughout the show. So I think the uh, Oculus is calling. That's why I think bet. it might be the Oculus. It's funny if I look at the, uh, the weather um, for 
uh, where I'm at. The highs of 84 and lows of 75, pretty much the same every day, moves to 86 and 77 here towards the end of the week. But it's it. it's it's the <laughs> watch same. Out, watch out for hurricane season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> change that's, a little bit. That's, that. <laughs> that's the one thing is that they say in September, if they're going to hit September, is the worst, and a lot of people just kind of duck out. So I'm curious to see what my first one's going to be like. I lived in Tornado Alley for 20 years in Texas and Oklahoma. I've lived where there's blizzards in both you know the lakefront in Chicago and in Denver. So I. I've seen, you know, the thing about tornadoes is you don't know. I mean, boom, tornado warning, take cover. You know, at least with hurricanes, it's a week out and you got time to go. All right. You know, I think I'm going to go get on a plane, head to the mainland. I literally had a tornado touchdown a few weeks ago over here in Sarasota. Randomly, Uh, it it picked up basically anything that wasn't attached on the golf course, like right across the street from me and dropped it right in the middle of the road. I was driving there like three minutes before. I was so lucky. Oh, my God. Crazy. They're nuts. Well, guys, what do you think? A little hot topic action? A little hot topics and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, this is We're going shopping. We go to hot topic. We're doing it. Hot topics. Is kind Do you of serve new... hot pockets with hot topics? Hot. I, sometimes I like to say hot, hot topics. Hot <laughs> topics. <laughs> Only by request. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyways, yeah, this is kind of like news of the day. Touch on a few, okay. a few things for uh, interesting, interesting Let's facts that's get going on. Topical, topical. eBay. Yes. Which you mentioned earlier is going to allow NFT sales on its platform. Yeah. How are they going to do that? Gosh. Yeah. They're going to be. They're going to call William Quigley. <laughs> yeah, they have to call William Quigley. Look, one of the beautiful things about blockchain is it's it's secure, right? The transaction takes place without an intermediary. eBay is the intermediary. And one of the big problems with eBay is you buy something, you pay, it never shows up. Or it shows up and it's crap and it's broken. You got to send it back. Or you, know, you never get paid if you sell something. You got to list it again, go through all that. So I list an NFT and somebody bids on it, they buy it. How does that transference happen securely? How do we not, how does somebody not get ripped off? Yeah, I think they're setting themselves up for failure there, man. It's the same platform that they've used all along and the same problems that are there all along. And now they're just allowing NFTs, I think, as a category, which kind of defeats the purpose. I think they they got excited when people started to sell the opens of their NBA top shots on eBay, right? I heard about this from a friend. Was that you? Did you, you did it, Joel? Or you bought one? Or? I sold a Cool Cats pack. Um, I put it up on eBay and I got $1,400 for this pack that I paid 15 bucks for. And then, you know, and I, of course, I'm legitimate. So I said, you'll, you'll come into my Zoom and we'll open it together and I'll give you the contents. And that's exactly what happened. Got Zoom, I opened it up, showed them what they got. I sent it to them and we were done. Yeah, I think they want to soak up some of the surplus from from people making this type of money. And they're like, you know, their business is probably dragging a little bit because I think your nomadic perspective, minimalism, all that good stuff is you're not alone on that crusade. And, and they're like, what do we have to do next? How do we have to move into a future where people can collect while still being minimalistic. And this was like, oh, okay, let's do this, guys. And I don't know if they have a plan yet to do it well, but they certainly have the money. They do have the money. So we'll see. I don't know. We reported it on uh, yesterday's news show on Bad Crypto and had some commentary, but we'll see. Good luck, eBay. 
Nice. Got a detractor there. Next thing on the ledger here is CryptoPunks NFT bundle has went for 17 million or did it go or is it on on the auction block no it must have gone already for no, 17 sold, million yeah that's what sold it's like nine i think nine of them wow what yeah. yep there you go that's insane that's see that okay so right there i think that is evidence there's a bubble not that all nfts are a bubble they're not that's a bubble there's no reason those should go for that kind of money so in five years Will that, yes or no, will that be worth the same or more? Yes. Yes, it will be worth no, the same. No, the answer is yes, it will be worth the same or, or, or okay. more or less. I have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't. Nice. I mean, what kind of money do you have to have to blow that kind of money on investing in something? That is truly crazy speculation. I mean, you just got to have ridiculous amounts of money that that is just throw away millions for you. That's well, the, the only way buyer, buy the people buyer basically recouped a lot of his funds almost immediately. Right. And he kind of fractionalized uh, the people. So something like that yeah. could happen. I, I mean, suppose. I guess you could. The problem I have is when people point to those as representative of the NFT space. You know, it's like when you look at uh, what an athlete is getting paid in the millions that they're getting paid to, to dribble a ball or whatever, but realize that the vast majority of people playing basketball are not getting that kind of money, will never get that kind of money. So, you know, we're looking at NFTs here that are the outliers, but most people making NFTs aren't making anything, you know, that would even come close to that. Yeah, I went down to the local gym to play some three on three, and I was asking like the spectators to pay me for the, for that, but nobody nobody wanted to offer. You should have offered them an NFT. <laughs> All right, the next thing on our list: How much money did Dazen make selling Canelo versus Saunders NFTs? Dazone, remember Dazone. Dazone, that's right. Sorry, the boxing matches these days from a, a distribution perspective, right? They're doing the um, the uh, production there. So yeah, this, this fight just happened, Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders, and yeah, they started making NFTs right immediately after, essentially selling them, um, you know, for uh, significant sums of money. I and mean, we're talking, uh, I guess, twenty five NFTs for like ten ETH. We're not talking about seventeen million dollars here, but you know, there's a there's potential in that path as well as as a number of different kind of media and entertainment outlets, right? So just another use case. I think boxing is one of those things that just brings up a lot of feeling and emotions, especially the history of boxing. So I would be more excited about NFTing some of the historical matches and fighters and, you know, that type of stuff personally. It's weird, right? We got UFC coming out, right? Via the Dapper Labs guys sometime soon. And it's funny that boxing traditionally generates a whole lot more revenue uh, than uh, than UFC, but UFC it just everywhere I look, it just seems to be that much more popular. It's, it's a weird dichotomy there. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, I gotta see. I have to think that the UFC NFTs are going to do well. How, how deep do we look into it? Are they sh selling kind of moments like uh, like with NBA Top Shots, or um, what exactly the NFTs look like? Yeah, it's not as sexy as uh, as Top Shots, but I think they had like the uh, a few different things like images. They had the the video clips basically that they're selling. I think one of the a couple of them didn't sell. Um, so it was you know again it was a it was a successful sale, but we're not talking about crazy millions here being pushed out the door. I think it's more about the use case here and uh, and how they're deploying it. Got it. 
So, Joel, earlier you mentioned Animoca. They just raised $88 million at a $1 billion valuation to capitalize yeah. on game NFTs. Yeah. Everything Yatsu touches turns to gold. We've uh, actually worked as advisors with Animoca. We work with them on a number of projects. We've got blockchain heroes are in the Quid app now, which is part of the Animoca stable. Um, we are working with Sandbox. They may be making some blockchain hero voxel characters that are going to be available in Sandbox. We've had uh, Gamey on the show before. We've had Yacht on to talk about Delta F1 Delta time. And they're just getting started. I mean, Yacht is building an empire. And uh, no surprise that they were able to raise that kind of money. And, and they are one to watch. Yeah. And I think the big message that I take from this and other raises that have happened is there's just a lot of money flowing into the space and it's a reflection of the opportunity. Yeah. This is, you know, it, it's always fun to try to pin a year on comparing it to the web, right? It's not the web. It's different. It's web 3.0, I suppose. But I think right now we're kind of the, we're kind of like World Wide Web 2002. I want to say a lot of people have said they would look at what happened in 2017 to 18 as the first IPO bubble, right? The dot-com bubble bursting. The timelines are a little off, but I think that now we know blockchain is here to stay. I don't think we're going to see the bubble burst in quite the same way when the bear market does hit. There's just too many financial institutions that are involved now in this for us to see that kind of dramatic pullback. I don't think we're going to see that in the crypto world like we did in 2018. But what do I know? I'm just 12 years old internally. So <laughs> now I'm with you on that. Lots of big players, lots at stake, you know, so that's how topics guys. And I think that's a wrap. It's the first time we had a 22 year old a couple of shows ago, but this is our first 12 year old on the show. It's been, yeah, I mean, this guy knows, you know, yeah, I mean, for a 12 year old. from my parents. I mean, it's <laughs> Dealing, dealing with a minor here, asking him all these personal questions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joel, uh, I know a lot of people know you and know where to find you, but for folks that don't, what's the best place to go to learn about you and your projects? <laughs> I'm in the bed. I'm Puerto Rico say. in bed. Sounds like Twitter, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Best place to, to find me, joelcom.com is the blog that I never write for anymore. It's amazing. Once I've gone down this NFT rabbit hole, I hardly write anything on my personal blog. You'd think I'd be writing about every project, but I'm so busy writing for other pubs. I'm writing for Gary V's 137pm.com now. It's like, if I have a new article, do I post on Gary V's site or my own? I'm going to give it to Gary. Here, here you go, Gary. Here's <laughs> High quality problem. You know, and of course, uh, we have our heroes Discord. It's uh, badco.in forward slash Discord. So you find me there. You can look for me on Twitter, but I hide a lot. And you can DM me there, Telegram at Joelcom. And uh, can, I, can we do a giveaway? Can I give away something for your audience? That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. Um, how about, uh, let's see, I've got a pack of a Titan pack from Blockchain Heroes 2 First Strike. They're probably going for about 100 bucks right now in the secondary market. So you guys figure out how you want to give it away and um, just get me a wax wallet address to send it to. Amazing. Will do. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll come up with a fun contest we'll include with the show notes. Yeah, have people tweet or whatever, hashtag or count beard 
pairs. I don't know. <laughs> or yeah, or Josh will just put it in his personal wallet or something. You know. I'm going to choose the winner of that contest, and <laughs> I'm going to like like some of these crazy meme coins. There's only going to be one potential way to direct the wallet address. So nice. Know. There you go. All right, it's guys, a wrong so pull. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFT today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, say something cool, and then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Joel, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was a blast. My pleasure. Thank you, Joel. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. Out, go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole.